A coworker keeps stealing my lunch, so I swap my lunch with the boss's lunch to catch him. Here's what happened. Subscribe to Am I the Jerk on YouTube and hit the bell for notifications. Nobody likes a lunch thief, and I had one of the most aggressive at my office. There were rumors for a few months leading up to the inciting incident of someone going around and taking people's lunches. Just about every day someone different would complain that their lunch was missing. It even happened to me once or twice. But I figured, hey, it's a big office, a few people are probably just careless and grab the wrong lunch, and are too embarrassed to bring it back. Or someone else packs their lunch and they don't know what's in there, so it's not obvious they have the wrong one. Or something like that. Most people just brought brown bags with their names on it anyways. Or identical Rubbermaid Tupperware with a little piece of labeled tape on the side. It was easy enough to mix up. I had accidentally grabbed a wrong lunch once or twice but I'd noticed before I got it open. I thought I was just more careful, or even just not as busy as some other people in the building. However, other people weren't as forgiving, and a quorum made complaints to HR. They were blown off. Personally, at the time, I thought it was all much ado about nothing. But then it began. My wife enrolled in a French cooking class online, and just about every day I was bringing in fancy gourmet leftovers in for lunch. You'd think I was picking up a go-bag from a Michelin-starred bistro on the way in each morning. She really threw herself into the coursework. There were no problems for about two weeks, maybe three, until one day my lunch went missing. Considering what delicacies I had to look forward to, I was pretty miffed. But I did a once-over around the break room and didn't see anyone eating my lunch, so figured someone grabbed my bag by accident earlier, saw how good things looked, and, realizing it was their lucky day, didn't bring it back to the fridge. I wrote the mysterious stranger off as a jerk, but accepted the loss and looked forward to dinner that night instead. Next day, I write my name on my lunch in extra bold lettering, jam the bag into the back of the fridge, and feel peace of mind. I get there come break time, and nope, it's gone. I was pretty upset, but I figured it was a stroke of bad luck and left it at that. What else could I do? However, third day, out of an abundance of caution, I kept my lunch at my desk. A pain because I had to eat it fairly early in the day to avoid spoilage. But at least I'd know where it was. I got up to take care of some business down the hall, and when I came back, yeah, my lunch was gone. Unfortunately, that didn't help me narrow it down much at all, because my desk is centrally located so everyone's constantly passing by. At that point, there was no possibility of theft being arbitrary, so I approached HR and filed a complaint. Their response, practically verbatim, was, Employees' lunches are their personal property, and the company is not responsible for lost or stolen personal items. The following day, my wife packed a cream-based soup that really had to be refrigerated. I was passing by the break room to check my lunch practically every five minutes. Somehow, it still managed to disappear. I was irate at this point, and returned to HR and really blew my top. The best they could do was send a memo around about remembering to check the name on your lunch when you remove it from the fridge. But they made it very clear that it was a routine memo and in no way related to my complaints, which were not in their jurisdiction. So not an admission of responsibility, because my lunch was my own personal problem. The only suitable alternative to packing a lunch available in the building are these wretched shrink-wrapped ham and cheese sandwiches from a vending machine. They've been marinating in the heat for god knows how long and the bread is as stale as corkboard and the meat is rancid and there's gluey mayo smushed into the center. It's a relic of the old office tenants I'm pretty sure. 
I vented daily to my wife, but her only idea was to start bringing a regular sandwich and apple again to dissuade the thief and get him to move on to other lunches. So, determined to prevent this low-life scum from downgrading the quality of my lunch, I hatched an elaborate plan. Then the pandemic hit and I forgot all about this whole saga. I worked remotely for months and months. Then, when we returned and after all that had happened globally, this was the last thing on my mind. But I got to the break room the first day back, frustrated from having to wear a button-up and tie after months of working in pajamas, sore from my desk chair and exhausted from small talk, only to find my lunch was gone. This was a particularly sore point because my wife and I divorced between my last lunch at work and the present one, so I did not anticipate being reminded of any past threads involving her. I pretty much flew into a blind rage at that point, especially seeing that stupid worthless memo about checking the lunch bag names posted in the break room. Feeling so helpless and so hungry and so alone as it was me and my lunch against the world. I stormed out and was determined to return the next day with a plan. So I came in the following day with an empty lunch bag and I checked closely to be sure no one was watching and I switched the contents of the HR person's lunch bag into my bag. So now their lunch appeared to be my lunch. They packed a regular brown bag. So I just discarded that and I left and I waited. I knew this was a pretty big gamble because it was contingent on the theory that the thief was avoiding me while having lunch, but not wary of anyone else. So would eat it out in the open if there was no risk of bumping into me. So I made a big show of going around the office announcing that I was heading out for a meeting and I wouldn't be back until at least three. I even went to the trouble of moving my car out of the lot to a space two streets over, where I then sat in my car and worked remotely for several hours, before sneaking back into the building up the back stairway. I then sat in the stairwell just outside the break room, where you can hear chatter but can't be seen, and after about 20-30 to minutes of waiting, I heard it. The sweetest sound I'll ever hear in the office. What the heck, Kyle? That's my lunch. Nah, it's not your name on the bag. Give me that. I'm assuming they grab the bag and see my name. Yeah, let's head to my office for a chat. The HR rep later called me in as well and said they were aware of my break room hijinks, but it was obvious that the point still came across loud and clear. They warned me that it was a violation of policy to move another employee's lunch. It took every ounce of self-control for me to keep from retorting, I thought our lunches were our personal property and the company was not responsible for them being lost or stolen. They informed me they located the thief and things would be handled accordingly. But better than whatever write-up they might have been able to issue Kyle, his reveal as the lunch thief occurred in front of the whole break room. So word quickly spread as to who had been stealing everyone's lunches earlier last year. And he's now the office pariah. He was in line for a promotion. The promotion is indefinitely off the table. And I also earned some brownie points for exposing him. At the end of the day though, I didn't do this for credit, or even the sweet, sweet, sweet revenge. I did it to get my lunches back. I'm just hungry, you jerk. I've never worked in an office building or anything where this might actually be an issue. I've always worked retail my whole life, where yeah, we have a break room with normally a tiny little fridge, but we always respected each other's food, as far as I know. Never had a situation where someone would go stealing someone else's lunch. Yet this seems to be a common thread. Is this something that happens all the time in office buildings? Why do the people in office buildings have a lower standard of morality when it comes to lunches? But seriously though, it really is a jerk move. Someone's put a decent amount of time into making themselves that lunch. Or in the case of our original poster, his now ex-wife. 
She was taking cooking classes and making very nice lunches for him. I would be upset too if they kept going missing on a regular basis. Like seriously, Kyle, just bring your own lunch. It's not that hard, dude. Entitled mother demanded my plane seat on my redeployment from Iraq. This happened in 2006. I was in the US Air Force and deployed individually to Iraq, not with a unit. At the end of my rotation, I also took the rotator back by myself. It was a commercial 747. The military paid to take a bunch of us to the US. Back then, we'd typically wear our uniforms, even on commercial flights. The guy in the seat next to me was similarly redeploying and also in his uniform. This was usually never a problem, because Americans were typically very kind to servicemen in their uniforms in public. We had a layover in Ramstein, Germany, and civilians began boarding. These were mostly wives, children, and other dependents of those deployed to Europe. It had to be obvious those of us already on the plane were coming back from deployment. We were in desert patterned camo, glassy-eyed from mental and physical fatigue, and generally stunk of burn pit. Well, this woman with a baby comes right up to my seat and announces that we're in her seats, and the other guy needs to move too because she wants to put her kid there. We were both kind of bleary and just stared at her in surprise. I didn't care where I sat, but the stewardess hurries over and says the flight is full and they can't reseat us. The woman shoves her ticket in the stewardess's face and says it clearly shows my seat number on her ticket. She wants to kick me and my seatmate off the flight. Clearly, she was more entitled to it than us. She flips her lid right in the middle of the plane and goes off on the stewardess. I stayed seated more out of shock than stubbornness. I'd been awake for longer than I cared to think about at that point, and I was not reacting quickly to anything. I guess my seatmate was in the same boat, because neither of us said a single word to her or moved a muscle at all. We just watched her make a jerk of herself in front of all these gawking passengers. She ended up getting herself kicked off the flight. In all, it happened rather quickly, but it still stunned me. The trip from Iraq to my home station was already going to be several days long, and she thought nothing of forcing me and that other guy off just for her convenience. Just one of those jerk moments I think about from time to time. I feel like this might be one of those situations where maybe this woman had something else that was making her angry this day. We all know it can be rough trying to get through an airport and this woman was doing it with the baby. We can only imagine how this was going for her up till this point. And then to get onto the plane finally and find out that someone else is in your seat, yeah, I can understand why she got upset. And I have a feeling that this was maybe just the straw that broke the camel's back for this woman's psyche. I would like to think that maybe she wasn't really thinking about the situation and what she was doing. Not trying to defend her or anything, because at the end of the day, her actions weren't acceptable. But I do think sometimes we need to take a look at other people and understand that they're living their own lives. And yeah, most normal people don't react this way. There has to be a reason why she's so upset. And I doubt it's with you for being in the seat that she was supposed to have. My neighbors would not stop partying every night. So when I had to move as a result, I at least made sure they wouldn't be able to do it anymore. I bought a house four years ago in a quiet neighborhood. I had wanted to get into that neighborhood for years. My best friend lives there. It was a couple blocks from my kid's school. It was a good neighborhood. Then COVID hit. My neighbors across the street were forced to move at the beginning of the pandemic before the eviction moratorium was in place. They were really good neighbors. We were friendly with each other and we were sad to see them go. So when the property owner rented to a new family, we were hoping we could cultivate a friendly relationship. Unfortunately, that was not the case. About a month after they moved in, the lockdown started. And that's when things went from zero to a hundred real quick. 
For the next year, every night there was a huge party. Cars down the street, music so loud you could hear it over regular house noise in every room in my house. My friend in the next cul-de-sac would text me regularly if the music he was hearing was my neighbors. We tried to be civil. I asked politely. I brought them beer. I offered some killer 420. Eventually, they threatened me and my wife. So we started calling the police. Almost every night for four months, we organized with the neighbors, and they started calling the police as well. Eventually, the others gave up and started selling their houses because the renters were just that bad. We were still upside down on our place, so it wasn't an option for us. Eventually, the police told me that I needed to stop calling and that it wasn't their issue to deal with. That I was a bigger nuisance than the renters' music. It was at that time the housing market was taking off. Houses were selling in my area for 40 to 50k over appraisal value. My wife and I looked at what we needed to make so we could move and listed our home for that. In three days, we had a handful of obscene offers to choose from, but it was the lowest offer that stood out to us the most. Their offer was a good 20k under the next lowest, but they sent a letter. I'm a sucker for a letter, especially one with a picture of a young pregnant couple and a dog. And a patrol car? Turns out the young man is a police officer newly appointed at the local PD, and he takes his patrol car home. I knew at that point that this was the family to sell my house to. Money be damned. I moved out as the neighbors were throwing a huge party. The next day, the police moved in, and they haven't had another since. I drive by regularly on my way to my buddy's place. They just sit quietly in their garage looking bored. I make sure I honk and wave every time. I'm sure those jerks know I did it just to ruin their fun. Yeah, and I can't say I blame you either. I'm really surprised there was nothing the police could do in this instance. I would think maybe they would call the owner of the property and say, hey, your tenants are terrible and they're making everyone's lives miserable, you need to get rid of them. Or at least take them in for something, because like they've been warned how many times at this point? Like He's calling every night to complain about this. Meaning I would hope they've at least been to the house a few times to try and get them to quiet down. Also, they're having massive parties during lockdown. Is that not a problem as well? I really don't understand how nothing was done about this, and everyone who lived around them had to move out as a result. Someone was not doing their job. I made my vegetarian son clean out a freezer full of rotting meat. I go hunting every year. I'm not a trophy hunter by any means. I do it for meat and almost purely for economic reasons at this point. Taking a few deer off my property once a year helps keep my freezer stocked and the grocery bill way down, which is important because finances can be tight sometimes. As a little relevant background, the bulk of the meat is kept in a large freezer in the garage, and about once a week we pull out what we need for the next week or so, which means the freezer is normally only opened about once a week. My son, 15, decided that he was vegetarian about six months ago, which my wife and I have no problems with. We started making meatless meals twice a week and made sure every other dinner was such that the meat was separate from everything else so he could still eat with us. This has been working out great for the last six months with no complaints. However, last week when I pulled the meat for the week out of the freezer in our garage, he decided to come behind me and unplug the freezer. I guess he thought we weren't doing enough to support his cause. He never spoke to us or complained about our twice a week setup prior to unplugging the freezer. Well, as you can imagine, with a now unrefrigerated pile of meat in the summer heat, it didn't take long for the meat to start to rot and stink. The freezer kept the smell in for a while, so by the time we finally noticed, 
Everything was completely putrid. I asked my son if he knew what happened and he proudly said that he had unplugged it on purpose and now we would have to be meat free. I told him that he didn't have the right to ruin a freezer full of meat and raise the family's grocery bill without discussing it with anyone. I told him that as a part of his punishment, he had to clean up his mess dispose of all the rotting meat and either sufficiently clean and sanitize the freezer or purchase a new one out of his savings. He called me a jerk for making him interact with meat in any form, but he made the mess and he needs to clean it up. Am I the jerk? Look, kid, that's great that you want to be a vegetarian and all, but you can't force that onto other people around you. And what you've done has cost your family a lot of money. It's rather ignorant of you. So yes, you need to learn a lesson here. And this is the way you're going to learn it. I think you should be happy that this is all you have to do. Of course, dad did say this was only part of the punishment. So I guess we don't know how much worse it got for the kid, but I think they deserved it this time. My parents refused to call my kids by their names, so I had to put my foot down. My wife and I welcomed twins in November. We struggled to have children for a long time, nine years, and had our twins via IVF. It was a long battle to have our babies, and when we chose their names, it was something we not only took seriously, but poured a lot of love into, because we knew they would be the only children we would name. We chose the names Ezra and Esme for the twins. Their middle names are more uncommon, so we won't share. But what I will say is part of what went into the choice for these names was the length. Growing up, I had a long last name, 10 letters, and my parents gave me a very formal and lengthy first and middle names, Frederick Lawrence, and I always found my name very stuffy and old-fashioned. I go by a nickname derived from my middle name now. I also took my wife's much simpler last name when we married. So we announced the name of our twins when they were a day old, and when we announced the names, we were aware my parents might not be in love with them, but I stupidly believed the twins being born would be enough of a deterrent for a negative comment. About a week after they were born, my parents asked what kind of names they had and how could we give them such juvenile and incomplete names. I told them that they were neither of those things, and they needed to be careful about how they spoke about their grandchildren's names. I thought they had listened, but then in January they started calling them Winifred and Douglas. At first, we weren't positive they were talking about the twins, but then we were celebrating my niece's 10th birthday and my parents directly addressed my daughter as Winifred, and I knew it was them they were talking to. I told them those were not their names. They said those were nicknames they had given them and everyone has a nickname. That it's not like we gave them names that could lend themselves to nicknames. I said Essie and Essie if they really wanted nicknames. They ignored me and they continued to use the nicknames. So we decided not to be around. Because on top of that, they were telling my siblings that the names they had chosen were better for my children. My siblings thought they were crazy. My parents tried to see the kids a few times since and I always told them no. They asked why and I told them they don't get to see our children if all they can do is insult their names. My parents accused me of trying to control them and said nicknames are a part of life. I told them what they had done wasn't giving a nickname. It was renaming my children in their own heads, and my wife and I do not want them renaming them. I also said we will not further encourage the use of the nicknames they gave them. My parents said if I had stuck to the family way of naming babies, none of this would have happened and they said I was being unfair to them. So am I the jerk here? Absolutely not the jerk on this one. I can't believe what your parents are trying to pull here. They're literally playing mind games with your kids and then turning around and saying you're trying to control them. Your parents sound very old fashioned and maybe a little bit delusional. 
They need to understand that these are your children. You named them this and they need to deal with that. The family way of naming children doesn't have to be your way too. And the names they chose are god awful by the way. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications. Put the playlist on in the background to finish listening to all the stories linked at the top of the description. And if you like Am I the Jerk, give Am I the Genius a shot linked in the description as well. Either way, thanks a lot for watching and we'll see you guys next time.